Today, as we, uh, we traverse through the book of Luke, uh, we come to a really important question, and it has to do with what's next. And today, uh, I'd be curious to know, you don't have to shout out your responses, but what do you, what do you think's going to happen next? What's going, not, be quiet, all right. Should have prepared him for this. You're doing very good. You're doing very good. What's ne- what do you think it's going to be? What's, what is it going to be like? It's a difficult question, really. Um, and for the general population, as we consider what's next, it's, uh, it is difficult to say. Because we're a people who, likes to, who like to apply the scientific method to things. And really, the scientific method doesn't really work when it comes to death because no one's come back and told us, right? I mean, well, sometimes they have. Like, recently, there's been, you know, there's the movie out, uh, 90, 90 Minutes in Heaven. You've heard that. It was a book, and it was a movie, um, and it was about a pastor who passed away, and then he comes back and gives his an account. There's a, a story about a, a boy when he was four, had a ruptured appendix, uh, and he, he passed away and came back, and he shared all the things that happened there. And even in those stories, though, as we've heard them, they've come back and said, well, maybe that wasn't exactly right, or some of the stories have been debunked, and so... It's not even the greatest thing to hear from someone else because, well, and scientists would say as they study the brain that that can, be a, that can just be a trick of your brain rather than necessarily anything that's actually happened. So it's a hard thing knowing exactly what happens next. We can't use the scientific method. So sometimes we just have to kind of think what we think. Like we have a a foundation of belief about things, and so from that we kind of we kind of uh, extrapolate what the afterlife is about. So you may hang around certain friends, and they think certain things, and you hang around others, and they think certain things, and and you start putting all that together and create your own kind of story because you just don't know. We can't. We haven't experienced. We haven't done that before. There's no good magazine with correct data that we can read, anybody's papers that we can study to know what happens afterwards. And so if your philosophy is that you come back again and that you're, uh, you believe in a re- reincarnation, it's a very popular belief, then all of a sudden, like when you're at family gatherings, you look at your uncle and you say, you know, he does kind of look like a turtle, you know? <laughs> and, and you're your, your mind begins to, to fulfill those basic concepts. And, and in fact, that's tonight why, uh, this is an aside, that it's going to be very helpful when Nancy Piercy comes and talks to us because we can see how a, different, a certain philosophy then is extrapolated and we get all kinds of outcomes. And so the, the Muslim will say something, the Christian will say something, uh, the Muslim will say lots of things, the Christians will say a lot of things. The Hindu, the secular, the secular person. And sometimes all of those things overlap. So what's the truth? How would, how would we know, how would we know what really happens in the afterlife? Are we cut off? Is it the end? Is there a future? 
The only way that we could know, the only way we can know is if we heard from someone who was outside of that context, who had seen it all. And so today, we're going to look at a group of people in, you can begin turning there in Luke chapter 20. They're called the Sadducees, and they're going to ask this question of Jesus. When I say they ask this question of Jesus, (laughs) they're not really, they're really just trying to get at Jesus. They think that Jesus uh, probably has the wrong answer, um, and he, they also believe that they're, they're kind of competitors in the religi- religious circle, have the wrong answer, and they're going to prove themselves correct. So before we begin and tell you too much about the story, let me, let me give you a little bit idea, uh, an idea about the Sadducees before we tell the story. The Sadducees are one of three religious groups uh, in the time of Jesus. They're the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the Essenes. Essenes live out uh, on the outside of town. Uh, they are uh, a special community. But in the, in the city, the two main sects, the two main groups, religious groups of Judaism, are Sadducees and Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees are a real popular group. There are a lot of people who like the Pharisees. There are a lot of Pharisees. There are fewer Sadducees. The Sadducees tend to be the nobles. They're the ones who are... Uh, oftentimes kind of in cahoots with the Romans. And so they, they, are, they are connected, and they're not, not as popular for sure. And their, their understanding of scriptures are they, they don't believe in a lot of the things, the, the text, they don't follow the same text that the Pharisees do. They say the main text that we should look at, the things that are really ordained by God are found in the, in the Pentateuch, the first five books, the books of Moses. And so everything besides that is, especially the other writings uh, that the religious leaders would add to the text, they are to be shut off, just the the book of Moses. And uh, they they dabble in in some of the other prophetic books, but they're mainly going to focus on the book of Moses. They also didn't believe in the afterlife. And if you look through the Old Testament, there is not much on the afterlife. What happens next? And so it's not surprising that as the Sadducees looked at it, they said, well, basically, we hit the grave, Sheol, and we're done. That's it. There's no afterlife. And, and further, beyond that, they, would, they said that if we can't see it, it's not there. So there's no angels. So the Pharisee says there's angels and afterlife. And they say, no, there's no angels. There's no afterlife. So what is it? Both of them are looking at the same, mainly the same scriptures, and they're coming with two different answers. What is life really like after we die? So what does Jesus say? Here we go, verse 27. The Sadducees are trying to explain rationally how it doesn't make sense, how it does not make sense that there's a resurrection. And this is the story they give, a hypothetical. There came to him some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, Teacher, Moses, of course, right? Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife but no children, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first took a wife and died without children. And the second and the third took her, and likewise all seven left no children and died. Afterward, the woman also died. 
In the resurrection, therefore, which we don't believe in, whose wife would the woman be? For the seven had her as a wife. So what are they saying? They're saying Moses says that the that it is lawful and right for a man to take uh, a brother's wife if the, if the brother passes away to keep on the lineage. But we also don't believe that you can have more than one wife, and we especially don't believe you can have more than one husband. So tell me, how is that going to work? The point is, it doesn't make sense. A resurrection can't make sense because it would violate the law of Moses. That's what they're saying pretty clever. What do we learn from this? Well, the first thing we learn is that lady was really hard to live with. The second thing, (laughs) the second thing is they're pointing to the fact that maybe there, it's not possible logically that there could be a resurrection. So, let's say that they're right. What if there is no resurrection? What does that really mean for us? What does that mean for the Sadducees, but what would it mean for us? There is no resurrection. Let's, let's put those, that pair of pants on right now and walk in them. There's no resurrection. That means there's also no judgment. So, That means that God has created us and at some point we will die and that will be the end of it. That means that in this day, we really have nothing to hope for, right? There's nothing to hope for. Everything that is to be done is to be done now. There is no judgment, so if there's no judgment and you should do whatever you can for yourself right now, that puts you in a situation, doesn't it? Easy to think that moves towards maybe a lawlessness. Easy to think that it moves to a life of selfishness. And if you look, who are the people who have this view? It's the people who have the most in the community, really. Those people who are living their best life right now. And so their their mind's going to that already. You know what it also means? It means that The creator has put an expiration date on his creation. Did you catch that? That's, you need to think about that for a minute. That means, it's like, it's like the, like a a potter would make a piece of art. Put it in the kiln, fire it up, paint, it's beautiful leave it to the side for a minute, and then, sometime later, take that pot and crush it. What is, he, what, is, what is it saying about the creator and the creation, if that be the case? There, the relationship between God, a creator and creation, is arbitrary. It is ephemeral, it's short-lived. There is no real relationship between creation and creator because that relationship is broken. 
it's destroyed. If there's no resurrection. Jesus' answer, verse 34. And Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy to attain to that age, the resurrection, and to the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot die anymore, because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, (laughs) you have spoken well, for they no longer dare to ask him any more questions. You see, Jesus corrects the understanding of these religious leaders. He helps them understand that, okay, yes, if what you said is true, that there is marriage in heaven, then of course it all falls apart. But it doesn't because in in heaven there is no marriage. So your your, uh, logic is wrong. But beyond your logic being wrong, there is something that is greater here That God has said that now that you are in the resurrection, that you are now a part of the family of God and you are part of the heavenly realm. You're a part of what happens there. You are part of that which is unseen, both the resurrection and also you will inhabit heaven with angels. Oh, look how this picture is starting to take shape. Have you thought about that? Like it's going to be the resurrected people together with God and with angels. Now that's going to be a party, isn't it? I don't know if you've read about angels in the Bible, but like they're pretty powerful and glorious and scary and all those kind of, I mean, they're just, we don't even know because we don't get to see them. But they are awesome and powerful and they pale in comparison to the glory of God. It's going to be, it's going to be something. And in the resurrection, we are not broken pots, but we are now sons of God, daughters of God. We're his people. And and where is the proof of this? How do you know this? Besides the logic about the, the marriage being wrong, Jesus also said, but Let's go back to the book of Moses. Don't you remember when, when Moses was there with the, with the burning bush and God was speaking out of the burning bush and he was telling Moses to go forward, go into Egypt and that God was going to be with them and that he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was speaking as if Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were alive in that moment. Moses could look around and not see them because they weren't with him. They were in heaven with God. The living God. The the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That means the saints that go before us are alive. They're alive. And so we we can remember those saints and our hearts can be full. 
knowing that they are with our Lord, but it's also a promise to us that there is a resurrection for his people. It, Jesus called to, to remind them, hey, don't forget, we do talk about resurrection because God is talking about the living. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what does this resurrection mean for us? There are angels that are in heaven. There are angels present today even though they aren't seen. We will be equal to the angels. There is an afterlife. There is a judgment. So be prepared. We are sons of God. There's a great cloud of witnesses of those awaiting our uh, coming to heaven. We are not alone in creation, nor will we be alone in the future. God has a bigger plan that, ex ex that extends beyond what we see today, and that plan, plan is glorious, and that plan is forever and ever. Look at, look at the, what this means for us. We, maybe you can put those verses from Romans chapter 8 back up from our reading just a minute ago. Listen to what it says here about the resurrection. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. If there is a resurrection, that means you and I, we can endure. We can endure suffering. We can endure the troubles of this time. We can, we can endure the physical pain of this time. We can endure broken relationships. We can, we can endure uh, our expectations not being met with what our life's going to be. We can endure people sinning against us. We can, we can endure people acting terribly towards us because there is a resurrection. And we can consider these sufferings in this present time not even worth comparing to the glory that is coming. Paul even says, all the things that I've done that is good, I consider them as rubbish for the glory of Christ. So even our great stuff is not very shiny in heaven. So all the sufferings we have today, all the trouble that we're going through, if you have a resurrection kind of mind, you know that it's okay. We're going to get through this. This isn't the last day. As we think about our relationships with our friends and our family, as we are hopeful for them, we can hope because today is not the last day. We serve a God of resurrection. But it means even more that this resurrection extends to the creation itself. Verse 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Probably so we'll quit polluting so much. But. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. 
the creation itself, the created people as well. We have all been longing. There's got to be something better. Amen? Amen. And the good news is there is something better. There is something better. And it's coming. And as you, I'm getting older too, so like when you wake up in the morning and things creak, you know, it's a groan of creation. Creation is falling apart. Second law of thermodynamics, everything is falling apart. But in resurrection, everything is put back together again. That's good news. We have hope because now we are We are children of God. The creation itself rejoices. We are creations of God. Verse 23, not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Kyle, how about a new body? Where'd he go? A new body. For in this hope we have been saved. Now hope is that that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. You see, God doesn't crush us at the end. The great potter has made the great pot and he has taken it and he has made this creation. And it's not a pot anymore. We are now sons of his, sons and daughters. Who would want to crush your own child? He adores us. He loves us. He doesn't want to do away with us. As if there's no resurrection, as if there's annihilation. He has created us because he's, he wants to live with us for all of eternity. He loves his children. He loves his children. And if you are a God who has capacity for, if you are omnipotent, all-powerful, and all-knowing, and you have children, can you imagine the gifts and the kindness and the love and the joy that we will receive? We're just getting a, a taste of it today, but the resurrection means there are great things yet ahead. You know, your kids have really good Christmases depending on how well your paycheck was in November, right? <laughs> but if there is really no end to the paycheck, my, my. God loves his creation. He has created it for eternity. We are called his sons and daughters. So, the word today for you, brothers and sisters, have hope. Have hope. I know you don't see it. I mean, we can't see it. We can't see the angels. We can't see resurrection. We can't see it. So hope. You wouldn't have to hope if you could see it. So hope. Believe. Believe. It is true. 
There is a resurrection. We know that because Jesus said it. We, we know there's a resurrection because Jesus did it. And he came back from the grave and he said, this is what it's like. And he says to you and me that now we will be resurrected as well. He is the resurrection and the life and he offers himself to, to you and me. We have hope. And we all, those who are saints today, this is glorious news. And we're going to spend all of eternity together. And we don't have to clean up after potluck. Maybe we'll tap the angels for that. I don't know. But we'll be together forever. And we'll be worshiping this God who loves us so. So have hope. But there are those here today who maybe not have entered into that hope. And this is worse news than when you maybe walked in. Because that eternity applies to you as well. And outside of Christ, that eternity is one of anguish and sorrow and pain for all of eternity. So choose him today. Choose the resurrection. Choose the life. He's offering it. Just like all these, these, all these folks here, if you look around, they look pretty good today. They were all bums. And they still are kind of bums. Some of, yeah, we're still working through our bumhood. But we said yes to Jesus. Yes. Yes to Jesus. And he has given us life and resurrection, and the forgiveness of sins. And that offer is good for you today, no matter how big a bum you are. Because he is, our, our moniker out there, our billboard says, Redeemer, because we, we believe in the Redeemer. Resurrection life, redeemed. And that's what you need. And it is good, and it's only going to get better. The word of God, to the people of God, to the resurrected people, all glory and honor to the one who is resurrected and who will give us peace for all of eternity. Amen.